Welcome to More Than Special with Jermaine Suford. Our program is of interest to parents, family members, and caregivers of children and adults with special needs. Whether it's an acquired delay or one from birth, we'll speak with experts to bring you answers, information, and compassion. Now, here's your host, Jermaine Suford. Well, hello, everybody. I'm excited to bring to you today a really cool topic that is fascinating because it expands over so much of our field, but yet is very little, there's very little known about it, and that is working with animals. Um, And I've brought today Suzanne Opp, who is the president of the board of directors for the Promise Ranch in Franktown, Colorado. And she's going to help us understand a little bit more about how animals can be used and with her field, specifically horses, um, can be used to help with all sorts of different issues from regulation to attention to, well, we'll just get into it. How about I introduce Suzanne? Hi. Terrific. Thank you for having me today. Um, I'm really looking forward to being able to, as you say, share uh, so much about a topic that uh, is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And it's, we were talking, it's one of those really um, unique interventions that's more common in rural parts of America compared to every other, seems like, therapy that you can find in the big cities, but you can't find as easily in smaller towns. And so it's kind of um, where there's more speech, OTPT, there may be less animals because they're just, they're big animals. But um, yeah, tell me, how did you get into the field? What What's it like being a, a horse therapist? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I uh, actually, you know, like so many uh, young girls, I always was very horse crazy as a kid, but um I never really owned horses myself until uh, until I was an adult and my children were, um, you know, getting to be a little bit more uh, independent. So when I came back to uh, horses, it really was uh, mainly on a uh, just a recreational level. Um, but uh, what happened a few years ago is what really uh, helped me to. Um, focus on on this field particularly as uh, as a way that I wanted to give back. And that is that we have a, a family member who came out as uh, transgender. And uh, so in the process of that, what I realized is that there's not a lot of options uh, for families to explore uh what that means for their new family dynamic, work through some of the uh, confusion, frustration, and uh, just there's joy in becoming an authentic uh, representative of your, of, your, of your true self. So um, it, it really kind of all fell together from that point uh, yeah. forward. Yeah, and um, with being a person who who helps others, but yet you've learned a lot from your own family experience. I'm sure that you bring that as well as um, what the animals do, that you've actually grown to a more comfortable person. And so when people come to you, I'm sure that there's that relationship of, I've done this too, and I'm here to 
support absolutely. you. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yes, as you might expect, that took a lot of processing on my part as a mother uh, to work through some of the issues that came up. And I did rely on that, uh, this modality, uh, working with um, working with actually an equine coach um, to kind of explore some of the, you know, some of the feelings that, that arose around all of that uh, adjustment. And it just really became clear to me how powerful and how um, quickly uh, horses can help in a way that typical talk therapy um, may not uh, I think that was probably one of the most surprising things to me just from a personal level is how, um, how fast uh, some of those observations and realizations came to be for, for me yeah. personally. Yeah. And when I think about the kiddos that um, I work with on a regular basis, they're a lot of times they don't have the language ability that a talk therapist may need. Um, and so using a different modality um, like I know that there's a lot of people who go into play therapies and art therapies and, you know, <clears throat> alternate forms of expression and regulation. And this is, um, you know, similar complementary to existing therapies that don't require communication to be the, well, verbal communication to be the way that you process. Absolutely. So you don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great value. And uh, well said, it's an extension of those types of modalities. And actually, if you look at horses from an ancient perspective, uh, when they were all, you know, not all, but when they were out in the wild, okay, if you look at a wild herd of wild horses, uh, there's a, a concept of co-regulation that we see. And for horses, particularly, uh, they might have uh, a, something that would uh, trigger a danger you know, response. Perhaps uh, they, they could smell, um, you know, a predator or uh, a noise that would set them off. You know, what, whatever it might be, and that will you will see that travel through the herd very quickly um, because they have this sense of co-regulation with each other as well as being exceedingly sensitive to their environment and being able to read the cues around them. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I don't know um, exactly how that all happens. It's, sure. it's, I'm sure there's a, a scientific definition of exactly what, what the process is. Right. It's, it's fascinating to see, and it, it definitely transfers over. Yeah. Yeah, and I can people. I can kind of picture like when I think of a herd of horses, they're they are a pack almost. Like they they stay together physically, but also you can tell when one sees the snake, they all know. It's like they're psychic. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You, you you nailed it. That's exactly what I'm trying to get at. And yeah, so we we can really take advantage of that uh, phenomenon when we do work with them in a, in a therapeutic session like or setting like this. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get the fun part of terms and definitions out of the way. There is, Perfect. you know, in talking with you and even 
um, to look at after your name, your certifications. <laughs> there's like 30 letters. It's like alphabet soup. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that they all mean very important things. But sure. for an for industry that's associated with animals, you sure got a lot of letters in there. Yeah, there's so. a lot of, lot of letters in there. Yes. Okay. Let me, let me break, yeah. break, break that Thank down you. a little bit. Thank you. Um, so first PATH, P-A-T-H, is the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemanship. Okay. And that's one of our um, certifying bodies to, uh, they have a very consistent training program, as well as a big book of rules about safety and, um, you know, facility management and equine management so that they're guidelines that we can follow. So if you can see that a facility is a path certified for member facility, you know what that means. It's, it's, a, it's a very standardized um, program. So with that, they offer uh different designations. Uh, the one I have currently is equine specialist in mental health. So ESMHL. <laughs> and, and I, what that means is that I can work with um, a multitude of other professionals to provide EAAT, which is equine assisted activities and therapies. Got it. So there, there's a big, broad spectrum of um, those activities, which sort of covers, sort of, it covers what we do, covers everything that we do. So that's really the anacronym that I refer to most, most often, uh, because it, it incorporates um, the, the mental health piece, the occupational uh, therapy piece, uh, speech, physical therapy, all of the ways that we uh, can partner with a horse uh, are kind of under that that main umbrella uh, of EAAT. Got it. Um, EAAT. Okay. Yes. There we go. <laughs> the other the other uh, alphabet that's with me is IGALA, and that's Equine Assisted Growth and Learning Association, and that really focuses mostly uh, on the uh, the ideas of uh, mental mental health piece. So we work again with a mental health specialist um, that, you know, so we have an ES, which is equine specialist, and then uh, the mental health uh, person. And the horse also is considered part of the treatment team. So anything that I'm referring to here, whether it's uh, adaptive riding, hippotherapy, we, we have that great respect for the horse being as, as important a member of the treatment team as the, as the humans are. That's interesting. Wow. So, so if, if I picture a session, then there's, there's a horse. Okay. There's the client. Right. Then there's a person who's there with the horse. And then there's the person there with the person. Person, yes, there's, exactly. Okay, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there is. And actually, in hippotherapy or adaptive riding, you might even have uh, additional people who are there to support uh, the participant or the rider. Right. Um, many uh, centers, just like ours, 
rely heavily on those volunteers to uh, keep our writers safe when the instructor or the therapist is uh, in the process of of the lesson, of the actual um, lesson itself. So if if any of this interests people, uh, no matter where they are, if they can find uh, a path facility nearby uh, that does this sort of work, they probably will be you know, calling for volunteers, I would, uh, <laughs> I would guess. So if it resonates, it's a, it's a great way to um, not only uh, give back to the, the individuals who are receiving the treatment right. the, you know, in the process of it, volunteers benefit as well. Yeah, yeah. I imagine because I'm sure that running a whole ranch and everything that goes along outside of the session and and now sure. with having so many people involved in the session, I mean, you haven't even talked about the administrative support that a ranch must need, but. Um, right. So, so when, <laughs> and so when you're talking about, there's all these different terms about like adaptive and all the, those kinds of terms, like what's sure. the difference between hippotherapy and, and equine assisted something and yes. what are those? Oh my goodness! It's it is a little intimidating when you when you maybe go to a website and try to figure out where you know where do I fit in here? Right, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the questions that often comes up is where is the hippo? Yes. <laughs> um, is it like hungry, hungry hippos? Or the, right? Where is the hippo in hippotherapy? <laughs> Well, there is no hippo, although uh, we sometimes joke that after a summer of being on our uh, nice green pasture grass, some of our horses do resemble hippos <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> uh, getting ready for winter. But uh, uh, hippo is a Greek word for a uh, horse. And so that's the, the root of, uh, of hippo Interesting. Therapy. Yeah. Huh. But uh, hippotherapy itself is a modality that uses the purposeful uh, movement of the horse uh, as a treatment strategy to address particular goals. Um, so it, it's really all about the movement um, in, in that regard. Uh, the horse's uh, pelvis actually say, uh, it's, it's, it reflects or it shares the same uh, type of three-dimensional planes as the human pelvis. So it, it resembles the human pelvis. Okay. Therefore, when the horse moves, it moves very similarly to how a human would move in walking uh, and, you know, just the movement that's exhibited. So that radiates up into the rider's body and uh, we, we take advantage of those those movements to be able to affect uh, particular goals within the session. Okay, Does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think when when I picture somebody sitting on a horse, not running or not a running horse, right. but a right. walking horse um, sure. or a calm, not mm-hmm. chasing the train. You know, That's the Western. goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> um, but like a calm rider. Um, it is a calm experience. It would actually feel calming. Like horses naturally, like when I think of a horse, 
outside of movies, I think of calmness and I could see how somebody sitting with a horse on a horse that that would radiate through the human as well. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And that's why I say the sessions benefit uh, everyone who is involved. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about the idea of co-regulation. Um, what the horse can do in that setting is actually help to bring the client's heart rate uh, down, uh, help them process anxiety in a, in a different way. So through the movement, uh, we definitely see, uh, you know, a rider who might start off being very, very anxious. And then the, as time goes on and we, we conduct uh, specific uh, exercises or, or games, we actually play a lot of games in our work, uh, that helps the client to become more relaxed and calm. Um, and you don't actually need to be on the horse. Uh, that benefit uh, appears for our groundwork uh, sessions as well. Um, when they have to become in tune with the horse uh, and, and read what their body cues are telling the individual. So that right there is a very important uh, piece to look at. Uh, as mm. far as a, kind of a, almost a meditative state that you can uh, really yeah. get in touch with. You know, a lot of the questions that I ask when I'm in session uh, would be things like, well, you know, where, so for example, if, the, if there's anxiety yeah. uh, that's happening, where do you feel that in your body? Oh, I feel that in my stomach. Oh, okay, let's just sit with that for a moment and maybe uh, put your hand on the horse's shoulder and take a deep breath. So that might be one of the things that could happen. And what we see then as a response from the horse, a lot of times um, they take a deep breath themselves. They might have a, a response where they, they blow air like a... Yeah, you know, yeah. you kind of hear or see that in, like you say, in the movies. Um, but it, it's a release of sorts. And so that shows us that there's sort of this energetic cycle that's happening um, where the, the two individuals are feeding off of each other. Um, and that, that concept of co-regulation really can come into play. Yeah, that's and, – and even if there wasn't as much talk – or, you know, whatever, that still, Absolutely. that relationship is still happening, even if you aren't asking a question and they aren't answering it verbally, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, that's... Absolutely. And that's, so you and you said something about how there can be people on the ground with a horse. What is, how does, why how would does somebody be work? on a, yeah, <laughs> why would somebody be on the ground next to a horse versus <laughs> sitting on one? Right. Okay, so that would go more into the, that would fit under the uh, equine-assisted activities piece. Okay. And um, so what we find is that for people who uh, are dysregulated, let's say, uh, to be able to just share the space, first of all, with an animal that is so balanced and grounded, that helps the person to become more settled and grounded in themselves, again, mm. that kind of meditative state. But it also 
really encourages um, observation, the powers of observation. Uh, many times we start with a session, not even where the horse is physically. We might be standing outside the pen and just make observations about um, perhaps what is going on with several horses, how they might move in the pen. Oh, did you see that horse just uh, tipped his ear back? What do you think that means? Uh, that horse just stamped his foot or her foot. And so we, we can really use those powers of observation uh, to, again, reinforce some of those um, skills yeah. Yeah. that are needed. Uh, so it, it, we would, it, you know, it, you can you can reap the benefits in that way all the way up to, uh, for example, some of the exercises that we do uh, with a horse uh, on the ground would be, okay, how can you help this horse to move from, for, for lack of a better word, let's just say they're going to start at, at cone A and we want them to move to cone B. How do you think you can help that horse move without touching them? Mm, uh, sure. For example, so That's that... Creative it, thinking. Exactly. It helps mm-hmm. that creative thinking and then gives, uh, gives more material, I guess, so to speak, for uh, the therapist or the uh, equine specialist to be able to uh, have a conversation or uh, speak of uh, what just happened in the in the arena. Oh, what's going on? Yeah. What's going on that the horse just stood there? What do you think that's about? So uh, a lot of insight and internal work can happen. In fact, uh, I say often that we don't see, uh, especially, you know, we, we don't see the effects of everything that we're doing in the arena with the horse, those linger and they, those observations might come out in a different way from week to week when, you know, in the time that the person is not uh, in that therapeutic session. Right. So uh, there's a lot that we don't know and uh, we just kind of have to be okay with that and uh, just know that, no matter what, there's a benefit uh, that is happening. Right, right. And some of those things aren't as easily identifiable because they're maybe so internal that they're hard to define even by the person who's experiencing them. I like that idea that um, even, like, like there's some people who say in mental health, the work doesn't happen in the session, it happens in between session. Um and, right. you know, as a counselor myself, I, of course, want to fix somebody in 50 minutes, but um, every counselor needs to know that the, pro- the the successes sometimes don't become apparent until somebody is brought into an uh, uh, anxiety increasing situation, like, I don't know, yes. a social experience, and then they actually don't react as, as quickly or as intensely and that's outside of session and that it's, you know, we may not see it, but, but we know it happens because we can see the person grow and change in session and become more exactly. comfortable with themselves and more authentic. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And actually we, um, we take advantage of those uh, anxiety types of situations that might come up that a horse is a big animal. It's uh it can be very intimidating to uh, people 
yeah. that, that haven't had that experience with them. So we can really let leverage maybe is too strong of a word, but we can take advantage of uh, the, the emotions and the, um, and, you know, look at how that happens in the session. And the session becomes then a safe space and a safe place to explore what that response is. Yeah. And again, as you say, then that is carried out. That experience for the client or the participant is carried um, through into their uh, into their daily life. Yeah. We, we also, I, I know we haven't really talked about this much, but the, uh, uh, the idea of working with groups, uh, for example, with corporations, um, where there might be a team that isn't uh, functioning as as highly uh, efficiently as as uh, managers, for example, might like. Yeah. Um, so we can again. That's interesting. Group dynamic kind of improvement. Like exactly. Group, group counseling without having to talk about it. <laughs> right. Right. It's just we're just out there playing with a horse. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny because in any work environment, there's always like the unspoken tensions between people that I imagine as being um, a little bit, you know, like even in a group environment, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. So when you're saying about horses, when I think about animals in service, I usually think I usually see dogs. And they're on sure. a leash and they have a pretty jacket and they're at the store and they aren't doing the things that you're talking about. They're they're with the person more frequently, not like an hour a week. Um, right. And they're and they're you know, they go home with them. How is how is this kind of different? There's a big distinction. And thank you for bringing that up. Uh, so a service animal would be there, as you say, to support all the time. Um, there's not a specific goal-driven uh, experience around a, a service animal. I mean, it's certainly the overall goal is to provide comfort or uh, you know, alert to seizures or you know, those specific things. But the work that we do, we have to set those goals. We, uh, we rely on that information to uh, you know, to drive our, our lessons. So it is very specific. It is very um, uh, motivated by uh, those actions that we want to get through in the lesson. So we want to, you know, we want to get from point A to point B, just like I was uh, mentioning yeah. before. So there's like a like any other counseling where there's like a treatment plan and identified. Exactly. And and it's a long term, but measured out process. We would, we would have long term goals. We would we would have short term goals that, uh, you know, made long term. We would have an overall goal, but then we would be able to break that down into yeah. lesson specific. It could even be activity, you know, yeah. specific, uh, just on a certain day. Okay. Well, um, I. I'd like to learn more about how the different um, therapies that like we've said that there's like OT and what I don't, some people don't know what an OT even is sure. and how those kind of things um, are used with a horse. So how about when we come back, let's get into that and um, 
learn about, I, I love the word propio, proprioception. So I'm going to. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yes. And so uh, I know that that's a big thing that the clients that I work with who receive animal assisted um, therapy with horses uh, are working on as a goal. So we Perfect. shall be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. You're listening to More Than Special with Jermaine Suford. To connect with Jermaine, or if you have a question or comment about the show, send your email to Jermaine at morethanspecial.org. That's G-E-R-M-A-I-N-E at morethanspecial.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. We've been talking about... Um, animal-assisted equine therapies and um, the hippotherapy, adaptive writing, all these different words um, that are coming up. And so there's a little bit of definition and interesting applications that we've been looking at. Um, so so where we left off before, can you go back into the, the hippotherapy versus what adaptive writing is? And then we can get into how it's used with different providers who, who might be the person working with the human. Perfect. You bet. Cool. Uh, so adaptive writing um, is also, it has been known as therapeutic writing, uh, but the terminology is currently uh, being changed to be a little bit more inclusive of, uh, of what it really is, which is adaptive, you know, the, the parts of the, uh, whether it's the TAC, which is the, the equipment that we use for the person um, to 
be able to sit on the horse. That could be a saddle. It could be um, we have uh, different types of um, what's called a surcingle that attaches to the belly of the horse that a, a rider might um, you know use for balance. Uh, but in adaptive riding, we have goals that are horsemanship uh, oriented. So okay. we would be helping our rider to understand how to steer, for example. So how to uh, how to work with uh, work with reins, uh, which are the, the uh, looks like a rope that's attached to. In our case, at the ranch, we use a halter. Um, so. They would hold on to the reins, and you've seen it in movies. They uh, utilize the reins to to direct the horse in one way or another. Okay. So there are very specific horsemanship-oriented goals. Uh, so certainly, all the other benefits that we've talked about—you uh, know, calming and and uh, helping the person become more grounded—all of those things still exist. But we have different uh, specific ideas and goals that we that we want to, um, uh, that we want to achieve. Now with hypotherapy, um, we would have a physical, uh, physical, occupational, or a speech therapist. And it's a strategy that utilizes the, uh, the movement as I you know, alluded to before. Um, it would be those lessons or sessions would be uh, provided by a specially trained uh, physical therapist, speech therapist, uh, occupational therapist, occupational therapy assistant, all of those uh, professionals have training <clears throat> that then they bring into the arena. The other, um, I guess, certifying body is the American um, Horsemanship Association, or I'm sorry, American Therapy Association. I even get <laughs> tangled up with all of these. Um AHA is another uh, another certifying uh, body that uh, they work specifically with those specially trained okay. uh, therapists to give them the horse um, information that they need. To. So it would be like having a uh, first year like state license or whatever, and then you add to it this additional certification or qualification to be able to add to your speech therapy practice, the inclusion exactly. of using horses. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, and so the, they probably, you said, you said they probably have a right. lot of certifications that sub certifications of different levels too. Absolutely. They do. Yeah. Absolutely. They do. Um, and I, since I don't come from that world, I don't know exactly what all of those, their, what their alphabet soup is about. <laughs> but, uh, uh, if, if someone were to go to the American Hippotherapy uh, Association website, they would be able to, you know, really break that down. Yeah. And what I did want to comment on um, one thing that I heard you say that we really are trying to uh, bring, again, bring the, the horse's participation into clear focus. So um, we try not to say that we use them in session, that we instead partner with them the session and I think that distinction is uh is very important because it does give um equal uh recognition to what the what the horse brings into the uh into the session yeah 
So I don't mean to be rude. I'm not trying to correct you. I just want to point that out. Yeah. It's it's important to know. And when I think about um, some of the kids that we work with, I can see some kids having a really hard time spending, um, you know, being safe on a horse. How, how does that, like, I could see kids being their bouncy and they're, sure. they don't have the attention span that maybe would be necessary. How do you keep a kid safe? I imagine that's a concern that families have. That is a, yes. And that is a great question to ask anytime uh, a parent or caregiver is evaluating uh, a program is uh, how that's just a very nice general question. How do you keep your riders safe? Uh, we have a multi-level uh, approach to that. And the first being the, the temperament, the training, and what the horse just brings to, uh, to, to it, its world around it. To, um, you know, so we know that a horse that is... Uh, generally uh, on a higher level of um, reactivity uh, to its world um, wouldn't be a good match for uh, a kiddo who is very uh, active in in his or her movements um, or loud. So we would then make sure to, in the selection process of the horses that come to the branch, we really evaluate that very, very closely. And we have a full checklist of um, behaviors before they even come to us that we, you know, we got to make sure that they pass these minimal standards. It's not very minimal. It's, it's pretty, pretty intensive, but they pass those things before they even come to us. And then we have a, a pretty extensive period of time where they are, um, you know, evaluated before we even have a, a wider uh, client. Okay. Uh, and then again, that's the volunteers who come uh, into play as well. So uh, we have what's called the sidewalker. And generally, uh, in a situation like you described, we would have two sidewalkers, one on each side of the rider, and they would help provide stability uh, for the rider to, you know, physically, if they need to have hands-on, they might do a specific uh, hold on a leg or an ankle um, to keep them safe in the saddle. Then they also can communicate with the instructor or the therapist uh, about what's happening. Uh, They're right there, very close. Right, right. And and so if if a kid was like, ah, okay, I'm done, or you know how some kids, when when they're done, they're done, and I hope they can communicate it safely but so there's somebody there when if a kid gets to that point but also hopefully the horse has had so much experience and training and has the temperament that yes. they aren't going to be as responsive to um that kind of activity right yeah uh, exactly well said and the other uh, volunteer is our, our head walker so that would be the person that uh would lead the horse uh in a lesson and they too must have a very, very acute sense of awareness about what's happening uh, for the horse and communicate then yeah. hopefully much prior to right. uh, anything happening. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, this, the communication piece of the, the ground uh, team is exceedingly important. Do 
you know, make sure yeah. that we address it before it before it gets to that point. But as you say, that can happen very, very quickly. So a lot of times, uh, you know, we just have to call out, okay, rider's done, rider's ready to get off. And, yeah. Uh, so then the instructor would come in and then we would, you know, figure Got out it. what's next. And this is where there's, it's a relationship. There's rapport building in the, in the beginning. I'm sure that there's, in the first session, there's, it's less goal-oriented because you're watching, you're observing, you're learning. Yes. Yeah. So back to what is propri- proprioception? Proprioception. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to like break it out like I'm doing, you know, each right? syllable so that I make sure to get them in the right order. <laughs> And, and that, let me tell you, that's a great Scrabble word right there. You said it. <laughs> I win. I win. <laughs> so proprioception in, in very simple terms is basically where the person is in space and what they're in their space, how their movement, their own body, how connected are they to what their body is doing at that, at that time. I think that's probably the easiest way to say it. If you think about, uh, even if you're just laying in bed and, oh, my right toe is a little sore from yesterday, right. um, you know, I banged it on the table. So it's that relationship of the, um, the nerves in, in your body, but it, it gives you awareness of what your body is doing in at any, any given moment. And you described uh, perhaps a, a person that was, very active and moving and may not have a a strong understanding of where their body is in space, may not even register that their hands are, um, you know, uh, moving quickly or, um, you know, they would perhaps be so excited to see the horse, they might want to run up um, Mm. without without having that that, uh, clear thought process about how their body is moving and how that might affect things around them and what that what that would look like. But being with the horses, uh, riding on the horse, all of those activities help that person to become more attuned to the proprioception of their body. And um, what we see is that there's a big calming uh, calming effect once that. Once that connection is made, it's it's pretty phenomenal. So it's a lot like yoga, perhaps, um, where you you know really develop a relationship with your own body. But it, it, it I guess, uh, that might you know, be the way that I would. Yeah, I, would I, I know it's it's the hardest sense to describe to people who have good proprioception to mm-hmm. describe what it's like to not have it. Sure. I've heard people say, like, imagine being in a in a uh, one of those water tanks that salt water, where like you have no um, sense of where where's up. Like, imagine right. not being able and and how some kids they will flap their hands or they will rock to feel the um, air on their skin, almost like it's um, grounding them and letting them know where they are in space. And how hard that must be if you're, if you don't even know where you are, right. like literally, you don't, right. you don't feel where up is, that must be just so dysregulating. And then, and then if, if you're also expected to have an attention span, I 
might not succeed at the task at hand if I needed, <laughs> if very I couldn't true. find up. <laughs> yes, very true. Well said. Yeah. And so, again, that's one of those great benefits of uh, the movement and riding yeah. on the horse. It provides that movement in a different way. It, it gives input uh, to the proprioceptive system uh, in a way that, that is not uh, not typical for a person in, in normal everyday life. But once they are on the horse and having, again, that, that uh, reflective, repetitive movement that is similar to a human's body, it can, it can really help to regulate that particular system. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's one of those um, senses that is, it's not exactly the easiest to diagnose either. But what are some um, diagnoses that you frequently see that if somebody has that this might be a more common, um, you know, tool, added tool. Sure, sure, absolutely. So pretty commonly we uh, work with kids with with ADHD. Uh, Again, I mentioned anxiety, uh, but we do also work with many of the uh, specific um, diagnoses that might more physically um, affecting uh, affecting a person's body. So like uh, cerebral palsy, for example, or, oh. um, you know, it, uh, if there's if there's a, a brain injury, whether that's uh, one that, that had occurred in the birth process or, or, or after, um, all of these benefits can, uh, can be uh, utilized. But um, those are probably the most common. Mm-hmm. We do, do have some uh, riders who have, uh, you know, paralysis. And so when they are on a horse, they get to feel that sensation of movement. Wow. It, yeah. I know it's pretty phenomenal when you think about it. Um, it's very exciting to see uh, someone who maybe has been, um, you know, who, who uses uh, a wheelchair and then is placed on the horse for the first time in, you know, maybe even ever, they feel that movement. It's, I, I say it and it's not, um, not overstating, but miracles happen every day on a ranch. And uh, it's just amazing to be a part of that process because it's it is astounding and i do imagine there being a connection or a benefit to people who have trauma past ptsd those kind of yes. relational attachment disorders where maybe their relationship with other humans is faulty but yes. this might be a very authentic true relationship that they could have those growth spurts with and not need, you know, to have the slow process of having to relate with humans. (laughs) Right. Right. And it comes back to that idea of the non-verbal communication uh, piece that is so important in the work we do and the the horse provides. Uh, You're exactly right. Um, In fact, we also have a, a veterans group that comes and, meets with us weekly uh and those are exactly the types of things that that come up 
uh, in that in that process and relating not only to the horse but to each other um, in a very positive way. So how does how does this stuff get funded? Like, do you actually get funding for this, or is this all private pay? There is uh, definitely here in Colorado. Now I can't speak to other states, but um, here in Colorado, um, we we do um, have an advantage of or, you know it, it can be covered by Medicaid. Um, the I'm not as familiar with um, with some of those funding streams as I probably should be, but uh, uh, most, um, in fact, I, I think I said that just the opposite. Um, Medicaid or other insurances don't necessarily pay for treatments that involve um, horseback riding. Okay. Generally, they don't. Um, however, occupational therapy, speech therapy, mental health therapy, those therapies can be um, billed to Medicaid. So the distinction being that, uh, as I mentioned, the adaptive riding um, generally does not fall under those types of funding streams. But if it is one of the other therapeutic pieces, it can be. So you 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 need to check with your own. State. So, so, and that's where you're saying with that, um, the people who are a speech therapist or an OT, and then they have this additional certification, maybe the funding source is covering the speech and it happens to be next to a horse or on a horse. Right. Got right. it. Okay. Because right. I can't imagine there being a lot of people currently covering um, some of the services because it seems so gray. But when you add that already covered benefit of a speech OT, PT, some re- rehabilitative program somebody's in. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. And we can, uh, we can put a little bit more information. You, you had mentioned that there will be uh, show notes afterwards. Yeah. Uh-huh. I would say that um, because I'm not as, uh, you know, well-versed as uh, I probably could be on some of these specifics, but uh, let's, let's be sure that we get that information yeah. in there so that Great. we can understand that distinction. There's a Medicaid waiver that's here in uh, Colorado and it does, does offer a hypotherapy benefit. Um, and that is one of the only times that insurance will pay for horse mounted therapy. Um, and that waiver program is monitored by, um, uh, for example, Colorado has developmental pathways, uh, Rocky Mountain Human Services, Developmental Disabilities Resource Center, et cetera. A lot of those, um, you know, those would be the, the facilities or the entities that uh, we need to check with on right. specific things like that. But um, when it comes to adaptive riding, uh, generally that is private pay out of pocket. Um, we don't see uh, insurances, unfortunately. We're hoping that that may change. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, <soon>. Fingers <laughs> and crossed. They, that. And hopefully we can keep getting the information out there that things like this are even available. And That's I'm sure right. that there's a difficulty with access and sure. training. And so, yeah, on, on the um, show notes, let's be sure to have those websites that you've named that right. where somebody can find somebody. Um 
um, if they misspelled the acronym. <laughs> or very, very true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I'm sure that with those agencies, if they have a referral list, you know, for yes. a specific individual, right? So yes. that's great. Well, um, I'd love to know what you are looking at doing with the rest of your passionate interest in this field. Where are you going next? Oh, wonderful. I'm glad you asked that because, um, again, as I mentioned, what really brought me to this field is uh, the experience in my own family. And what what I really put together with that is how horses can help uh, help people to really hone in on their authentic self. So working with the LGBTQ community, um, that's an area that we don't currently, and we certainly serve uh, individuals, um, but my, my goal in the future would be to provide these kinds of experiences for families uh, that may be navigating um, gender exploration for, uh, you know, whether it's a child or even a parent who might be uh, experiencing that for themselves. The dynamics of the family can change pretty dramatically. uh, And the the fact that we can rely on horses to help help people find their authentic selves because that's how they show up. Wow. It's it's just a powerful... Powerful thought, and and that's that's my goal. That's where I'm. Uh, I really hoping. like the the idea of like keeping because there's so much splitting that happens, and negativity and judgment, and and the way you're making it sound is um, maintaining family stability, but also everybody becomes more authentic, not just the identified patient, right? Absolutely, you hit yeah. it. Um, and you know, through that process. Uh, it may be a time that they can find joy uh, in, a, in an experience that has been um, very difficult. And, uh, you know, the, the rate of suicide among LGBTQ yeah. uh, individuals is very high. So to, to be able to support that process of, of finding joy again and finding authenticity, uh, that, that really drives my passion. Well, how can people get a hold of you? Right. Uh, they can definitely email me. Our website is prdr.org. So Promise Ranch Therapeuticwriting.org. And my name is Suzanne at prdr.org. S U Z A N N E. So perfect. Well, I awesome. love, love to talk to anyone. Thank you so much for being a guest today. And I'm just going to ask my listeners to um, give us five-star rating wherever you downloaded this podcast, share interested topics that you have for us to bring up in future episodes. And just thank you very much, Suzanne. It was great. You're welcome. Thank you for having me today. Yeah. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to More Than Special. Be sure to tune in again for another program featuring your host, Jermaine Sufert, next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thanks again for being a part of the show. 